Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. As always, I bring on guests and topics that will empower you to grow as a confident leader to take your business or your life to the next level. So excited to have Nicole Baldino. Is that close? That's very close. It's very correct. Nicole Baldino. Yes. That's very good. And she has a very interesting background. Let me tell you about her. She is the co-founder and COO of Webinar Ninja. Oh, everybody needs a good webinar. So interesting to see what she has to say about that. And she's an independent SaaS company, S-A-A-S, brings back my uh, project management um, and technical background right there. <laughs> <laughs> Served over a million webinar attendees and host. She also is a co-founder and producer of the 100 MBA show. Learn more about that as we go. Mm-hmm a best in of iTunes podcasts with over 200 million downloads. Nicole is also the co-host of the Nicole and Kate can relate podcast. Nicole <laughs> and Kate can relate. Say that five times after you've drunk a few <laughs> beers. <laughs> like her business partner and co-founder Omar Zerholm. Zen home, sorry. Mm-hmm. Nicole was an educator who decided to apply a teacher skill to set independent business building. Now she works and helps other aspiring entrepreneurs turn their own goals into reality. Our title for today is Five Ways to Reinvent Yourself and Take Your Life or your business to the next level. Please welcome Nicole Baldino. Hi, Vicky. It's so Hello. good to be here. You are, your interview or your intro was so packed with so many things that I wanted to stop and say, okay, tell me more. So throughout <laughs> this interview, we're going to be getting the tell me more about these different things. But like, what do all these things have to do with each other? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I always start out with a really easy question. Let our audience know, where do you live now? Where do you call home? Sydney. I'm actually back home in Sydney, Australia. So we're on opposite sides of the world. And um, after spending 12 years away from, you know, my hometown, I came back and really, you know, fell in love again with uh, this Uh city. I really love Sydney. That's on my bucket list to go there. I just think it's a very, very cool place. 
it was interesting. Um, I'm a, a Toastmaster for a number of years. And early on, one of our Toastmasters did a speech on their trip to Sydney. Okay. And it was, how many things can kill you in Sydney? <laughs> And it was hilarious, but it was like, well, there's snakes, there's this, there's sharks, yep. there's, there's plants. <laughs> yes, that is so true. I think two days ago, um, the publication Time Out just released mm-hmm. um, that Sydney's in the top 10 happiest and safest cities in the world. I think what makes it unsafe are the spiders. So <laughs> <laughs> that Toastmaster was wrong. <laughs> So I think, but it was funny. She goes back year after year because of the time that she had there was so wonderful that it's worth, you know, I'm just going to stay away from the sharks. I'm just going to stay away from the Easy to avoid. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I, I, I think so. All right. So let's get it down to the five ways to reinvent. How... And this is really prevalent and and relevant Mm -hmm. to where we are today. But how do we manage and grow remote teams to make them feel as if you're right there with them? Yeah, that's a great question. Gosh, we could talk for a lot. The whole podcast could be just this. (laughs) Right. And it's funny because when we, uh, built our team when we started Mm. our business. And I say we, because I'm referring to my co-founder, who's also my husband, Omar. Um, It was just the two of us. Mm. And, and we happened to be at the time we were in New York, later in San Diego, and then finally finding ourselves here many years later back in Sydney. And so we're talking back in 2013 uh, and 2014, when we launched Mm. Webinar Ninja, it wasn't a thing to have a remote team. There were companies out there, companies that we looked up to, but it was very rare to know that and to, you know, hear stories about companies that were exclusively remote. Yeah. And so I would love to say, excuse me, I'd love to say that we saw the future and we were ahead of our time, but really (laughs) it was not that at all. It was out of necessity. You know, we were very new. We'd left teaching. We started to, you know, we had these ideas for these businesses and purely out of necessity because Mm. we couldn't afford an office. We couldn't afford to hire people locally. Um, We just started to handpick our team from different parts of the world. And we wanted to maintain that flexibility as well, mm. given that, you know, I'm originally, I'm from you know Australia, Omar's originally from New York, but we actually met in Dubai of all places. <laughs> so traveling was already and living yes. abroad was already a thing that was quite, um, you know, normal for us to do. Mm-hmm. And so those early days of, you know, making mistakes of hiring those people, first people that really don't quite fit the role. Um, You know, you just learn along the way, but it's been now, yeah, nine years that we've been started and maintained a fully distributed team around the world. Yeah. I retired from UPS as a project manager and a lot of, and my projects were global. So I had team members in Japan, in Australia, in China, and you, you just learned how to do things. But sadly, yeah. we didn't have this. Like mm-hmm. when you wanted to do a video, you had to go to a video room and a lot yes. of the local places didn't have that. So everything was audio. Mm-hmm. And when you are dealing with different cultures, it, it 
the the lack of being able to see a person's response to what you say mm -hmm. or how you say something is re received in a certain way. And it was only my Toastmaster skills and, and why I do what I do today yeah. that made me be able to be successful in that. Mm -hmm. So I embrace this environment now in uh, dealing with remote teams because you can really develop relationships, I think, as a, at, at least better than what we were doing. 100%. And the thing is, though, it's funny how even today you'll hear that um, there will be companies who operate remotely, who have team members, you know, coming on video calls on, on calls like this, um, who don't really necessarily enforce the on-camera. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> and for us, it was one of those things. And I get that. There's reasons why. And, and, and I can understand, you know, why someone's thinking would be like that. But when it comes to managing a remote team, what you said is so true. You need to, you know, mm -hmm. cross those boundaries of cultural, of mm -hmm. inference, of intonation, mm -hmm. you know, reading between the lines, all of those things get so much harder. And so if you don't have each other's, you know, some visual cues to connect, it makes it even more harder. Yeah. So you really have to enforce it in a very friendly way, but you have to lead by example. So, you know, you have to always be the first one on the call with your camera on and, and, you know, you have to set those that set those standards and those expectations. Uh, and that is a huge way to kind of start to build those connections and those relationships. And, and I think you really have to take it to the next level that you not just get on the call for a problem or a project management yes. meeting or something. But as a, a leader, as a manager, a supervisor of a team, you really need to just pretend like you're in the office and you're yes. walking by their office. How are you doing? You know, you know, I'm doing a contract with a, um, a group right now. And I haven't had my manager call me once to say, yeah. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing? You know? And so I'm kind of being the one to do that because it, mm -hmm. it's, you have to build that relationship. They have to know what motivates their team and each yes. is an individual, yeah. you know, there's five different generations of people out there working. You need to not yeah. do things the same way for everybody, which is a lot yeah. of work. <laughs> Right. And that whole, uh, we like to say trust, but verify, Oh, yeah. you know, be, you, people will assume like I've said it once I've given an instruction, they heard it, they read it, they saw it, it's going <laughs> to get done. And then you'll hear horror, horror stories yeah. of, I put someone to task three months ago. I haven't heard from them. And guess what? The task I gave them, the work to be done has not been done, mm -hmm. but you haven't bothered to check in. Yeah. And checking in isn't just, you know, once a month, it's, it has to be, it has to have, you have to have a regular cadence. So, you know, we kind of act almost as though we are in an office in some yeah. ways. And it kind of happened. I don't know. It kind of happened unintentionally, but it was just a way to try and mirror and to, especially to build that company culture yeah. and to build those connections. So a few years ago, the funny thing that we also in, in, um, introduced was having a virtual co-working space, just literally a Google meet room mm -hmm. and team who's in the Philippines who are our support team. Um, they spend most of the time there and we can, like you said, how do you just, you know, impromptu, just, you know, talk to someone and, 
you know, not just when it's a scheduled meeting that yeah. you've already decided on. Well, you can jump into the virtual office and say, instead of like discussing this issue or going back and forth on um, whether it's Basecamp or Slack or whatever mm-hmm. tool you're using, how about we just, you know, nut this out in five minutes, just on a quick, mm-hmm. on a quick Yeah, chat. absolutely. And, yeah. and that becomes the norm. And yeah. then it, it feels like we're actually more than just, okay, everyone's in their little independent places and siloed uh, and just doing their thing. So it takes a lot of effort, but Mm-hmm. you can see the you can see the you know the payoffs when when, when yeah. you're really consistent a couple things come to mind one uh, you know I, I have a rule that if you send me an email or a text more than two times I'm going to pick up the phone and call you whether it's through a virtual phone call through teams or something but yeah. if if you didn't get it the first two times then there's mm-hmm. some communication issue here yeah. yes. and I need to talk to you and not yeah. just do it through a written word. Yeah. But what came to mind, and, and again, I think it's probably helpful to hear what you're doing. We talked about once your team is there and established it, but mm-hmm. the all important thing is the orientation. How are you onboarding those mm-hmm. people to make them um, feel welcomed, but also to get a clear understanding do they understand the expectations of the job and are they you know having that first month you Mm -hmm. interacting with them enough to make them comfortable to be remote that's such a great yeah that's those are great questions and I feel we've definitely added to um, you know, we never got it. We didn't get it right from day one. You know, there were a lot of um, mishires and all of that and all of these things, all these processes and systems that we didn't have. But over time, we did develop and instill certain things that have helped with, especially with onboarding, because it's a great point. Um, you know, it is just, you think on it does onboarding doesn't have to happen in the same way as it does in, in the physical world. It, mm-hmm. it does. And it, yeah. it's even more important. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that we did um, were, well, we created a welcome video, uh, a generic video where everybody on the team uh, welcomes the new teammate and just says who they are, their name, uh, what team, what department they're working in and um, how excited they are to have them join. And we send that along with the little handbook that we've prepared, which gives, you know, company policies, our values, all of those things, again, all on just, you know, via Google. Um, And so they get this little welcome package which includes that, that team, that team welcome video. And then once they do start, we definitely have an orientation call. So Omer and I always do that first call, whether it's someone who's not going to be, you know, who who will be managed say by our customer support team, Um, we'll still do the orientation call. Mm -hmm. We'll still do the presentation and tell them the the bit of a story. And it's not long. It's like 20, 30 minutes where we share the story of the company, who we are, you know, the team, who the, you know, what team they'll be working with, you know, org charts, all of those things, just to give them a sense of like, where do you fit in mm. into this, this organization? Cause they want to know, it's great yeah. to tell them the history and the values, but they're really thinking about themselves. Where do I fit in? What does my day-to-day look mm. like? Who am I going to be talking to on a daily basis? Do I have anyone to talk to on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Do you really put yourself in their shoes and we set them up with a buddy. Um, so there's someone who's shadowing them maybe uh, from another team or within within their department. Um, and 
I'm just very conscious, um, you know, as my role in, in operations is to make sure that they do feel like they can always talk to someone and yeah. we're, we're kind of a flat organization as well. So, you know, they can talk to anyone. If, even if they're a customer support, they can talk to someone in engineering to have their questions answered. Nice. But you've got to start those initial threads, you know, hey, mm -hmm. I'm looping in so-and-so. You guys um, might be able to talk about and, and get some help on this. So as long as you kick things off and start, um, then they just get to see, oh, great, I can, a person on another in another <laughs> department is just a ping away, you know, or they're yes. in the virtual office and I can jump in there and, and chat to them. But it takes effort. It definitely for takes sure. effort. For sure. So how do you build and grow a tech company? Tech changes all the time. I mean, goodness. Yeah. It's, um, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so we're talking from 2014, um, mm. when we started doing webinars for the hundred dollar MBA at the time, cause the hundred dollar MBA was our first brand still mm -hmm. exists today with the, with the podcast, which we can talk about, but we had a community of, uh, and we were selling a course. And so mm. we started running webinars to, uh, bring in new members uh, right. on a weekly basis. And we're talking 2014. So, not all the tools that we have existed, you know, none yeah. of these options are out there. So it was actually Omar who was teaching um, and, and creating, putting these webinars together every week. And it was a nightmare. Like he was putting together these five or six different pieces of software to make it all work together. Mm -hmm. But he ended up creating something very, very basic um, with a freelance developer to run that webinar. And it was then that when he was running those webinars with um, in a much more easier way, because he had this little tool that he put together, somebody asked, oh, what, what tool are you using? Um, and he just said, look, something I've just created. And somebody <laughs> asked, can we buy it? You said, jeez, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're selling the hundred dollar MBA course here. What's going on? <laughs> We're not selling software, and so it was from there that he thought, well, if I've got this pain point, we literally started the the, the you know the software to scratch our own itch, mm -hmm. um, and we ended up pre-selling on a promise of this is what the tool would do, this is what it looked like. Um, it was just some mock-ups, and we pre-sold. We got people to put down because it was just again the two of us. We didn't have funding. We didn't go out and ask for funding. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to validate the idea. And basically the validation was if people were prepared to put down, it's like $250 at the time um, on a promise of a, of a product that would be released in six months. And that's where Webinar Ninja started. And that's really why, just if you think about that, that's why relationships and the trust and verify, <laughs> you know, but the no like, and trust is it, it, so important because you're not going to get people to put down even $250 mm. if, if you don't project that you are someone that they can trust. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes from you. And some people might be listeners might be wondering, what's this? The hundred MBA webinar and intro software content podcast. What do they all have to do together? But what, what the way they're connected is grounded in teaching. So Omar mm -hmm. and I were teachers before we built our businesses and that no like, and trust factor comes from teaching first rather than just trying to sell someone on yes. something and trying to convince them but from a teaching first principle showing hey i've got something that can help you you teach you you show you know value you show that you care as teachers mm -hmm. fundamentally if we show if, if students feel like we don't care 
they're not interested and and kids and teenagers are going to be the first to pick up on it Mm -hmm. and so that care factor has to be there and so it's through teaching that we were able to build that trust with our audience to then say hey we've got this product that we're you know that we were potentially we're building Mm -hmm. um are you interested there was already some trust there that was built through the hundred dollar mba through those webinars through that connection yeah and it really is whenever you think about the trust too, is you had to listen to the need here, here that they needed what you were thinking. And, you know, that can inform the development. It's, yeah. uh, you know, as a project manager, that was one of the things I always did before I even launched the project was I, I interviewed and listened to what their process, I made them talk through the start to finish process so they would self-realize the areas of opportunity Mm -hmm. as well as the gaps and then Mm -hmm. I knew what to build for them but you know a lot of times people don't know what they want (laughs) I love that I'm equally very passionate about interviewing and talking to customers directly and it's a huge advantage that Mm -hmm. I don't think people do it enough in businesses no I always have to fight the teams to to be able to do that (laughs) you know just want to get you know to the the good stuff, yeah. the sexy stuff. And it's like, but no, <laughs> if you don't do this, you're mm-hmm. going to spend a whole lot of time in pain later whenever you miss exactly. things. So you talked about, it was just the two of you, you got that $250 on a promise. How now your businesses have grown. How are you getting sponsors for your podcast as a person so the- who just started her podcast in March. Congratulations. It's awesome. No, I mean, oh, I'm so passionate about podcasting. And of course there is an opportunity to monetize. It is a very powerful uh, medium and lots of, you know, advertisers and brands do see the power of uh, getting on and getting in front of an audience Mm -hmm. that, you know, you've built that has a trust and a connection to you as the host. When we launched the $100 MBA, we launched, we set out to create a show that was nothing like a show that we had done before that we Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, did a little little bit of an experimentation. We had an interview podcast that failed. I don't like to use the word failed because it was a learning experience. It's a learning. Yes, it's always, it's always. (laughs) And so when we set out to do the $100 MBA, we were really hyper-focused on the Mm -hmm. show that we wanted to create. We felt that there was a need um, to deliver these practical short business lessons um, and get straight to the point and make it actionable so that the listener could go away and do something right away and apply it to their business. So the intention behind the show was very clear. And we learned that from the previous show where it was very wishy-washy, the intention, Mm. the format, the branding, everything was kind of slapped together and very haphazard. But with the show, with the $100 MBA, we were ultra clear on what we wanted to create and how we wanted to execute it and what success Mm. looked like. Nice. And so we really focused on that. And, um, And we focused on being different because at the time there were no, we're talking 2014, there were no uh, short format business lesson podcasts. There were lots of interview shows, Mm -hmm. um, which were amazing, but there were no lesson-based business podcasts. And so because we differentiated, um, it was quite a unique show so that Mm -hmm. when, you know, four months later after we launched iTunes at the time, now, now Apple podcasts recognized that 
as a, as a show that was worthy of one of its best of for that year, mm-hmm. which was an incredible milestone for us and yeah. incredible validation that we, you know, we'd hit on something that was truly going to be uh, of value to, mm-hmm. to the audience. And so we never deviated from that promise, you know, it's 2000 plus episodes later. And with that, you know, because of that delivery, because of that, you know, accolade, we did start to see um, sponsor interest um, quite early on. And, um, and then, so once you get your first couple of sponsors, you know, there's credibility behind the show, but there's also a commitment to the audience first. So when Mm. you do decide, okay, I'm going to work with a sponsor, there is a potential interest um, to have, you know, a a brand be endorsed by you, the host, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that your audience is first. So if there's no alignment, if it doesn't make sense, then it's not worth going down that path. Um, and so, you know, I would say that, you know, to make sure that you always put your audience first and really be very selective with the brands that you work with, then it just starts with one, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's, and then it continues from there. Awesome. So how do you leave nine to five? Well, teaching is really not nine to five. <laughs> my husband was a teacher. My daughter's a teacher, <laughs> but how do you leave that? And you go to full-time entrepreneur. Yeah, that's that big, uh, you know, uh, life and career transition, and it <laughs> requires like, some reinvention. It yes. requires a big uh, reinvention, and so for me, the the very first thing, and I kind of apply this now um, to reinventing myself, to reinventing, you know, to do any new project, is uh, to get a taste first. When I was in teaching, I didn't know what else. I didn't know that I could do anything else. I had no mm. other, you know talents, <laughs> anything that I could, that I knew other than being in the classroom, delivering a curriculum, making sure my students passed and making sure they had a positive learning experience. Um, so when I wanted to leave, I had to first figure out, well, what interests me, what excites mm-hmm. me, what is out there for me? And so the first thing that I would, I did was just get a taste. And I took a very short two day course uh, in filmmaking because I thought filmmaking was very creative. It appealed to me, but I just wanted to get a taste. And what I didn't realize was that I I was kind of executing on the MVP, which is minimal viable product that is Mm -hmm. very common in SaaS is to just do the very minimal, Mm -hmm. um, just to get an idea if this is like, okay, you want to go further. And from that two days, I decided, oh, this could be great. I Mm -hmm. think I could do this. I don't know what gave me that confidence, but like I could probably do this I think I was very desperate to get out of teaching as well Um, and I'd finally made that decision I think really the very very first step to to leaving is to actually decide because I sat on that decision Mm -hmm. for years years so once you decide then everything else kind of falls into place it just happened that filmmaking was like okay this is great this is the next thing I can move on to and so I ended up then resigning and deciding to leave my uh where I was living at the time Dubai Mm -hmm. and go to New York so that I could do a short another short course because I was then determined to start working right away I Mm -hmm. didn't have infinite you know cash I had just my savings from teaching I thought well I have to kind of get going right away so I didn't spend a year I spent four weeks in film school just to give me enough to start getting my first clients and that was the Mm -hmm. first step the, de- wow. the deciding and then the MVP version of getting a taste of what it could be mm. like to do something different. And you met your husband then in New York? 
Yeah, we kind of, we were actually, we had, we were friends and colleagues in Dubai and he's from New York. And so he suggested we well, should go to New York. Yeah, um, why not? I had I wonder why <laughs> and I had never <laughs> been to New York and it just sounded very appealing mm-hmm. so yeah that's how that happened and then our relationship solidified once after when I finished film school and awesome. we teamed up yeah so cool so you made this major life change you you moved to New York changed your career how often did your why change in that time frame of why you, of, you know, why you're going to do whatever you're going to do. I mean, I think people worry about what's next. Did did you Mm. just take a leap of faith and know that you would just enjoy the ride? That's such a great question. I don't, um, I, I think it came back and I don't think I was aware of it at the time that my why is most likely steeped in my values. And I know that one of my highest values is learning. I'm a massive fan of learning. I've always been very happy as a learner, Mm -hmm. um, excited to be a beginner and, you know, and to just, just soak up something completely new. And so I think in that transition, you know, changing my environment, getting out of being surrounded by teachers and now being surrounded by these film students and in New York, Mm -hmm. I was able to start learning new skills and learning just a different way of thinking too. You know, it's just a completely different mentality. And so then I, I suppose when the next transition happened, I didn't end up being a filmmaker for very long. I ended up applying those filmmaking skills to the project that Omar Mm -hmm. suggested. Let's build the hundred dollar MBA was his idea. For me, I saw that as another learning opportunity. I can learn to do something else. I just learned to completely, you know, change my career. I made very few dollars, but I was able to charge for my work. And I got clients in New York when I was, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was freelancing as a videographer, if I can learn to do that, I can learn to do something else as well. Um, As long as it's something, you know, I'm not going to learn to, you know, fly a plane or (laughs) surgery exactly (laughs) like within reason of course within reason but I'm still quite passionate about the fact that there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that we we don't believe and give ourselves credit for that we can actually um, learn quite quickly quite Mm -hmm. quickly which is what has always really surprised me um, and has allowed me to overcome all that doubt and the frustration Mm -hmm. when things you're not getting it or it's not as perfect as you want it to be, or it doesn't look the way you want it to be. But right. I just figure, well, I'm learning and exactly. this is a good place to be. So I suppose that's where my why is kind of centered. And and yeah. I always say when you get to be comfortable, it gets boring. So <laughs> learning new stuff makes you always being uncomfortable, but it's uh, always exciting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you create content via podcasting courses, webinars, workshops to grow your business? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way, you know, this is a huge, a huge topic that we could, you know, mm-hmm. also talk at length on, but um, you know, it's through the content that we've grown the businesses and it's case in point, the podcast free, free daily business lessons. That's a lot of content, a lot yeah, of content that I was we can wondering. put out there. 
Yeah. And, but that is very attractive. You know, you asked earlier about getting sponsors. Well, it's very attractive to be able to be a part of a, of a podcast that produces so much content that, you know, has a listenership and has, you know, a, cat, a back catalog of thousands of episodes um, that can be very attractive. So that's been one way, you know, mm -hmm. through consistent content, we've been able to grow the hundred dollar MBA brand with webinars and webinar ninja. Yes. It's a software, it's a tool, but Omar does a lot of teaching. We do a lot of webinars where we're teaching how, how the how more it. than anything. Yeah. Mm. The, the how of actually, how to use the software, but also how to deliver engaging webinars, how to create content, how to create courses that convert your students and, you know, convert them into lifelong customers. Yeah. So all of that comes through teaching, all of that mm -hmm. comes through content. Um, and, you know, and that's been one of the ways that we've been able to grow the software as well, not just offering the tool, but offering content to support our customers. Yeah. So we're very much aligned with that because, <laughs> you know, the things that I do, it's, everybody has great ideas. Everybody has, you know, a great book, a, a great podcast or whatever, but sometimes they're not so great at delivering what they do. You know, it's, it really is about the, how you say it about the delivery, yes. the conveying of your passion for it and mm -hmm. really showing the authenticity and, mm -hmm. and that you're listening to what their needs are and how this will meet those needs. And that's yeah. how you get them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is time now for rapid fire. Oh, and uh, <laughs> so rapid fire will be, I'll ask you a question, which you'll know the answer to <laughs> easy enough, but you just don't have all day to answer. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Being crisp and concise would be awesome. Okay. So, and we touched on this, so it should be easy to just be short and sweet, but how do you work with a partner in life and business? <laughs> you, you married them. Sometimes people uh, can't work with those that they marry. Seems yes, to be that's, working that's for you. <laughs> very true. It does seem to be working. Um, we have our designated roles um, <laughs> and we come together for big decisions. Um, the, those, those, those that require a bit more discussion, a bit more back and forth, but we each know kind of what our, where we're adding value to the company and we kind of stay in our lane in that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you think about it, if you're in a team, it's the same thing. It works well if you know what your lane is and you stay in it. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't have that little emotional piece sometimes. <laughs> you have a, an award-winning podcast. It, you kind of touched on why it's an award-winning, but if a person doesn't have that uniqueness that yours does, mm -hmm. you know, a podcast like mine, where it's just interview my my goal is really to have you make your message heard but so mm -hmm. how do you make and produce that award-winning podcast what are the the little elements that maybe people don't think about when they sit down to either host or or be a guest mm -hmm. that's such a good question because um and I, and i think it comes, it's definitely become harder now with more podcasts, um, you know, cropping up. So I do think quality 
and the attention to the production and the professionalism of the production is important, which Vicky, you have, like I saw our back and forth um, with the setup of this call, um, your structure, your format, all of that keeps it very tight and very consistent and very professional. And it is a production, you know, as much as we don't want to say, oh, no one's listening, or maybe there's not that many people listening. It still is a piece of production. And so the fact that you care and you put that level of professionalism behind it already puts you ahead of so many other podcasts that just Thank might you. just, you know, be, yeah. But so that's it, definitely know, one thing. It's out there forever, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, I would say to consistently deliver on your promise. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very jarring if you switch and change and, Maybe you're not very sure, but I think your question to what is the why, like, why are you doing this? It doesn't matter what it is. It can be whatever it is that you want it to be. Uh, But if you're consistent with that and you continuously deliver on that, then that is what helps a show to have that longevity. I agree. Next is what do you consider your greatest accomplishment thus far? Oh, I got to be short and sweet. Okay. I think it's having taken that leap of faith and a chance on myself to finally say there, if I want to do something else, uh, just to trust myself that I can do it. And so starting a business with my husband, taking a, you know, a big uh, career transition like that, um, has been for me, you know, something that I'm proud of. Yeah. So what is your next path on your journey? Well, we're continuing. You you mentioned it at, uh, at one point about, you know, software is and technology is constantly <laughs> evolving, constantly changing. Um, you know, you've really got to be, you're on your toes really mm-hmm. um, the whole time. And so we, uh, we just actually recently added another product to Webinar Ninja, which is a course element, a live course platform mm-hmm. called Course Ninja. So that's in beta right now. Our current customers um, have oh. access to it and are using it. We just used it ourselves uh, a couple of weeks ago, delivering a, a live uh, course with for the $100 MBA. So for us, we're really getting into, again, coming back to our roots and um, being really passionate about offering, you know, a tool that can help people teach mm-hmm. and deliver their content online. Yep. Mm-hmm. So good. All right. So I'm sure that everybody wants to know how they can get in contact with Nicole and learn more about the $100 webinar, as well as um, this new thing that's coming. So (laughs) if you are listening, I'm going to share my screen, but I will give you verbally what the website is. It will be also on YouTube and my website, the slide that I'm going to be showing. If you are watching, you can grab the screenshot. So this is my warning. If you are listening only, please go grab your pencil, paper. So the website is www.webinarninja. That's www.webinarninja.com. She also has a website which is 100mba.net. Again, that's 100mba.net. With that, make sure you have HTTPS 
All right. She's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And thankfully, she used her name. <laughs> Always easier. So you can search Nicole, B-A-L-D-I-N-U, Nicole Baldinu. And she is going to talk to you about her gift that she has for you. Take it over. Yeah, well, I mean, there's... Um... A lot of your listeners might, um, you know, be wanting to build their audience. They might have already have a business. And so the team worked really hard at the $100 MBA to create a lead magnet uh, template bundle. So all, you know, email is still one of the most incredible ways to you know, create a relationship and nurture a relationship with an audience member, a potential customer, all of that. So, and capturing people's emails is really, really hard. But if you've got something on offer on your website, that will be of mm -hmm. tremendous value and, you know, show them that, yeah, okay, this sounds really good. I'm definitely going to give my email for this. Um, we've created a free bundle, um, which has a template for a checklist, an ebook, a guide. Um, and just basically all you have to do is put your own content, your own branding on it. And you've got a great offering and an opt-in to put on your website to start building your audience. Well, it has been just so wonderful talking with you, being able to learn more about you and what you do with your husband and your background and so happy that you're back in Australia where you can enjoy you're in summer now right yes we yes, are and we are Christmas in summer yes. <laughs> probably a very strange concept for you I don't know I have been to Florida and Hawaii oh. in for Christmas so I, okay. I know the the, the beach thing <laughs> I am a beach lover, so I, I will go to the beach any time of the year. So we have heard a lot of tips today, a lot of great advice for remote teams, for those that have a podcast or want to be on a podcast or the people that are thinking about a course and the things that Nicole and her husband can offer you. So please do go to the website, thewebinarninja.com or 100mba.net to be able to get that information, connect with Nicole and be sure to like and subscribe to my podcast so that uh, we can continue to grow. Maybe I'll someday get to the 2000 episodes right now or we're moving <laughs> along pretty well though. Uh, okay. I, so I just wanna thank you for the time that you've taken. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it is up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.